Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize Seize the the faith. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast. It's great to have you with us tonight. Jesse, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm happy to be here, Justin. I'm happy to be here, too. You know who else who might be happy to be here? You know what? No, who? Maybe Dan Sands, because he's here and he might be happy. He's been here for a lot and he probably is already regretting it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm still happy to be here, brothers. Still happy to be here. We have our special guest, Dan Sams, on with us tonight to discuss what has become, I would say, something that's just stuck in our crawl, as they used to say back in the day. Um, And Dan Sams is the man to have on for this. If, If you're not aware, the Underground Seminary is run by none other than Dan Sams. Um, and damn Sam's has the history of our country pouring through his veins as he hails from West Virginia. And, and we're just, we're just glad we're just glad you're here, Dan. We're, we're glad to have you. Thanks brothers. <laughs> glad to be here brothers. All right. Well, <clears throat> coming to you live from the underground. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, tonight's episode is entitled the Shatim mood. And you might wonder is that a type dumbest. of is that a type of mushroom? No, it's actually a special uh, sashimi made in Japan. Japan, <laughs> Japan. <laughs> no, Shatim is the place from which Phineas hailed. I don't think he hailed from there. He was just he was just there. He's from he's from Shatim. That's what it says in Numbers twenty five. I don't think it says that, but keep going. I'll look it up. <laughs> well, we're going to be in it, so you don't have to work it up right now. We're, we're going to be all up in numbers 25. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we had talked about wanting to discuss, you know, when we jumped back in last week and we were filling everybody in on what was going on in our lives and why we had taken a bit of a hiatus, uh, one of the things we really wanted to discuss was much of what was going on with an article that Kevin DeYoung put out uh, entitled On Culture War, Doug Wilson and the Moscow Mood. And it garnered a bunch of responses and there was even a very recent response that's come out and we really wanted to take some time to kind of focus in because one of the things that I think Jesse and I have been viewing in culture is a lack of understanding of how I want to say the word aggressive but then I'm afraid people are going to be upset (laughs) people are going to be upset either way Justin don't don't just 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 lean into it well the reason we have Dan lean with it rock with it brother the reason we have Dan here is because we feel we do need to be aggressive with how Christ is opposed to the forces of evil, sin, and darkness that are in high places in this world. And there's far too much coddling on the part of many Christian, Christian light, Christian-ish, Christian-adjacent writings, musings, and teachings that are going on. And that is not to say, and in any particular way that we're going to be lumping Kevin DeYoung or maybe later when we, when we mention Owen Strand and his response, it's not saying we're lumping them into that, but what that is is a pervasive part of our culture that Christianity has become um, so complacent, more so even accepting that it's bringing in a lot of really disgusting things. And we're not, I mean, we're not going to talk about it tonight, but even what happened in a, the I- Iowa State House. Right? Oh, Where we the- could talk about it right now. I don't know if we're prepared. Hey, great news! It was decapitated by <laughs> by a Christian veteran. By Praise a Christian God. vet. Finally, someone. <laughs> Are you aware of this story, Dan Sams? Yeah, brothers. Oh, praise I'm the Lord. I'm joyful about it. 
Yes. Well, pastor slash representative Dunwell had has done wrong <laughs> and uh, done poorly in the Iowa State House. This is just uh, so this will set up. Nope, nope, nope. Wait, nope. will it set up? It'll set it all up. Just set it up, man. I think it does set it up. It does, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because it's, there's an issue of the public square and this this myth of neutrality that if we can just be nice and not push a Christian agenda too hard. The the evangelicalism has given us the idea that, oh, we'll just play it soft and then we'll keep that realm neutral and everything will be OK. Uh, but uh, Jack Phillips situation is proving that that's not the case. Um, Drag Queen Story Hour proves that's not the case. Um, uh, demon statues in the Iowa State Capitol proves that's not the case. Uh, what is very clear is either Jesus is king over everything and we acknowledge that. Uh, and we and we live like that, or we're going to allow his enemies to take control, and that's uh, that's the thing. So I think you've I think you're bringing us around nicely, Justin. Go for it. Bro. Well, in that case, um, as is the case with m- many public spaces, you can petition to put up maybe a flag or a display of some kind in many different public spaces across our country. And it's a horrible idea. Except for that one time where they wouldn't let the, the Christian flag fly. Unfortunately, yes. that got over to was, so. was that in Boston, I believe? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Somewhere dumb. Regardless, it, it is the, it is such, such is the case. Now, it's a horrible idea. Um, it's It misses... All right, I'll get into it. But it misses the full understanding of how our country was founded and what the Constitution is actually about. Nonetheless, this is the case in Iowa. And a, the satanic worshiping cult in Iowa decided that they would petition to put up a, during Christmas, during Christmas season, a goat-headed Satan, I don't know, Baphomet. what would you call that? Baphomet, Baphomet. image. Baphomet. Baphomet. Yeah. Okay, yes. I was yeah, I was thinking like shrine. Shrine, Is that yes. the same thing? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, Baphomet would be the character. <coughs> Baphomet. It, it would be a shrine. That is the of, literal a shrine of Baphomet. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's gross. They they originally blood red. <laughs> blood red they originally flowers. wanted to use a real goat head, and the Iowa. You know, I mean, that was just a step too far. That was for just the too I- far for the Iowa State State House. You can't put a goat head on Satan. Mark. So they put up a tinfoil goat head, um, and uh, Pastor slash Representative uh, Dunwell from Iowa defended this as free speech uh, under the constitutional guise, and he made another a bunch of other silly arguments that were, I would say, grossly unbiblical. And um, thankfully, just today, <laughs> just today, a wonderful Christian man, former veteran, um, decapitated it because he f- said he was convinced uh, uh, in his conscience uh, from the biblical informing information that he had that this was a complete affront to God, and he would not allow it to stand. And I say yes and amen. And and he did not let it stand. He did not. <laughs> decapitated the gross Satan statue in the middle of his state's just... It's just a mess. It's a mess. I say that because, as Dan Sam said far better than the story even really tells, but that's where we're at. That level of interaction is where we're at. And, and this is not what the Constitution was set up for in any way. When James Madison said our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people, it is wholly inadequate for the governance of government of any other. The word religious there is not like a catch-all religious. When when James Madison, you mean he said, wasn't speaking of the jihadists? No, when James Madison said religious, 
and we can prove that easily. When, <laughs> okay. when James Madison said religious, it's like when somebody says, can you pass me a Kleenex? All right. A Kleenex is a name brand of tissue, but it was such the brand that it became synonymous with tissue. When James Madison says religious there, he means Orthodox Christianity. That's what he means. It was the word. When you said religious at the founding of our nation, the religion that everyone was thinking of was Orthodox Christianity. And so when he says that, we see religious and we we, we just have this planopy of like, oh, it's these... inside me yeah, everywhere. No, no it, was, it was Jesus Christ dead, God, the Trinitarian God of salvation. That's the God. That's it. That's what they were thinking. And I, let, me, let me explain this as a very clear way. For almost, I think it was almost 50 years in our country, in order to, in many, in many states, it continued, that you could not take any form of public office, either statewide or national, from that state without affirming an overt statement on the, the Trinitarian God of salvation from the Bible. Now, that's, that's holistically, which meant it excluded everyone, including uh, Jewish people from from serving in senates. Now, eventually, New York did was one of the first states to allow that, and Pennsylvania uh, as well, both very early on, to uh, to allow Jews to serve in their their state house. They amended that slightly, but even they were excluded, and they're, they're the first they're, they're the first portion of our scripture. They weren't even allowed. We Thomas Jefferson crushed the Barbary pirates, which were. I want to say Palestinian just to cause problems, which were Muslim, <laughs> which were Muslim pirates raiding American ships. All right. He crushed them. It would have been ludicrous. Like if 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 Thomas Jefferson were alive today, he would immediately buy land right in Minnesota so that he could primary Elon Omar instantly. Like this is what would happen. <laughs> This is unheard. The stuff that's going on is unheard of. It is is, and I'm saying that so that we're all on the same page about what our country was actually founded under. And so this this veteran is right in line with everybody that put their name to the Declaration of Independence. He's right in line with everybody that helped to ratify the Constitution at the Constitutional Convention. And I say that Gideon, Phineas, Josiah, <laughs> yeah. Hezekiah. <laughs> I say that because we have such a flaccid Christianity that is so infuriating to me that we have. We have evangelical leaders wasting the time of themselves and the people that are actually doing things to write articles about people that are actually doing things that those people then have to stop what they're doing to address. And that's that's really the problem. All right, I'm done. That's the intro. <laughs> I don't know where to go from And here. what an intro it was, Justin. Uh, but there's probably some people that have absolutely no idea what we're talking about. Which means that we have to somehow succinctly frame this discussion all right so that it makes some kind of sense that frustration comes from in in some ways an article written by kevin DeYoung. you may remember kevin DeYoung back when he was addressing the the teachings of rob bell from from mars hill church uh, about the emergent church when he wrote a book called why we're not emergent by two guys who should be that was a long time ago it's all in the past. Wow, he was he one of the authors of that? Pretty sure I had that book upstairs. I'm just trying. He was. To, yeah, wow. he was. It's a good book. Yeah, yeah, it is a good book. It's a great book. Mm. And since then, we have this article. <laughs> By the turntables. Although, and this is nothing to Kevin DeYoung. I have that book. I owned it. I read it. It was great. It met, it met a cultural moment back then. Um, but you know that like Mad Men meme where it's like uh, the one guy in the elevator, and and he's like. 
you know, I, I feel so sorry for you. And then, and then John, uh, John Hamm's like the other character from Mad Men is looking at him and say, says, I literally never think about you. <laughs> like, that's kind of how Kevin DeYoung is for me. Like, it's literally like <laughs> he wrote that book. And I was like, oh, that's a really good book. Oh, Kevin DeYoung, that's great. And then he read this and I'm like, oh no, Kevin DeYoung, I literally never think about you. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry, Kevin. Not that you care or will ever hear this. He wrote an article entitled on, on, culture, on Culture War, Doug Wilson and the Moscow Movement. And this has created some tension because what he's basically doing in his article is addressing that there's a, a theme, a mood inside of Moscow. <clears throat> Don't clear your throat over the microphone. In uh, Moscow with, with Christchurch and Doug Wilson and what's going on there, um, that is that is not effectively christian in the way that we should be effectively christian that there's some issues with the mood there and so we need to adjust the mood um and and he wrote a whole article about it and then doug wilson charitably i think responded to the article and so i think if we just walk through um walk through um Doug's response in which he directly quotes from the article it kind of makes it easy to see where Doug's coming from and also helps us to just know the where the conversation is at right now because from that then we have more to discuss does that sound okay that sounds like a great place is to this start. agreeable Dan Sams I'm with it oh, he's with, with it all right uh, first right off the bat just in the beginning of of the the Kevin Young article he says even now, I'd rather not be writing this piece because, one, it takes a lot of time. Two, I'm not looking to get into a long, drawn-out debate with Wilson or his followers. And three, I know a lot of good Christians who have been helped by Wilson and by the people and institutions in his orbit. And so I would have said... Sounds like he knew he was stepping on the landmine. Yeah, and I really would have said, right about now is a great place to cut off your article and save your time. Save the time. Save a lot of time could be saved. That is not how it went down. Uh, and so, I'm going to jump over... To uh, to blog and may blog the response from Doug Wilson, which is entitled "My Rejoinder to Kevin DeYoung," um, and in this he goes on, I think, a pretty tame addressing of some of the issues um, that have been brought that were brought up by Kevin DeYoung over the Moscow quote unquote mood, um, and I think. Uh, and in having consumed a ton of Christian content, he's he's right. Kevin's article does seem to have a different tone against Doug Wilson or against the Moscow mood than many who don't do write against Doug Wilson. Many, yes, many people. He, he wasn't he wasn't the typical liberal memes of shouting pink haired women that normally <laughs> that, that normally uh, shout at uh, at the Moscow men and women. Yes, S and A men. You and know so, what I mean? When oh I, no, when I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Yes, okay. I do. I I'm fully with you. Um, you know that that person that when Trump won that screamed no <laughs> at the at the sky. <laughs> you know what? When you look back on things you regret, that lady <laughs> or man or whatever, right there, there's a regret. <laughs> anyway, uh, in quoting from Kevin DeYoung's article, we read: "I know a lot of good Christians who have been helped by Wilson. Wilson is to be commended for establishing an ecosystem." ecosystem of and deserves credit for being unafraid to take unpopular positions. He offers the world and the church an angular, muscular, forthright Christianity in an age of compromise and defection. On top of that, Wilson has a family that loves him and loves Christ, the cultural, aesthetic, and political posture that Wilson so skillfully embodies. And that's a quote from Kevin DeYoung's article. In responding to this, I mean, I don't know, just in writing that, 
is anyone here read that and think then I probably want to be concerned with the mood of that guy. <laughs> I just I read that and I think it sounds like a very respectable man. <laughs> I read that I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I mean, find a man whose family loves him anymore. Like, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> like admits or a to man it. who is who has produced faithful children mm. who are themselves contributing to the kingdom um, and thriving. I think that's. And we also need to remember that, you know, Doug has a father who just recently passed away. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're looking at multiple generations of faithfulness in this town and the fruit of that, that to be honest, I have to check my heart not to be jealous of. Mm. I mean, I look at that and I say, oh, man, I want that. I want that for my children and my grandchildren and my great grandchildren. And so, yeah. Um, hard to get mad. I'm like, whatever that mood is, sure sounds good to me. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to, yeah. I want to like nestle up in under a blanket of that mood and yeah, just kind of hang out there. I want to sip hot <laughs> chocolate with that mood right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, really, how dare he offer the church an angular, muscular, forthright Christianity in an age of compromise and defection? It's almost mm-hmm. as if Jesus were perhaps a man. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, right here, what we have is the admission that we live in an age, right? of compromise and defection. And when you say that, you don't mean compromise and defection from the world. The world doesn't compromise and defect from the world. The world is the world. The age of compromise and defection lies squarely and solely inside of the Christian sphere where there is compromise and defection towards the world. Towards the world, yes. And so right right off the bat, when <clears throat> and Kevin, I believe Kevin DeYoung was, was um, uh, relatively even-handed in, in giving compliment and also having critiques. It's just that the critiques, I feel, were a little a little weak um, in light of what he was aiming to do. They're like that second brew of the K-Cup, you know, where <laughs> you swore you put a new K-Cup in the Keurig, but you know, it turns out you didn't, and you take a swig of that, and you're like, man, that is, that is not the right kind of coffee. <laughs> yeah. And then you yeah. promptly throw it out. Now everyone's judging me for <laughs> drinking out of a Keurig instead of, you know, hand smushing the cocoa their coffee beans myself and did you say hand smushing then kissing each you know ground and pouring water just over imagine it. you trying to pick up like a bunch of them and just smushing, just smushing them yeah it's gonna work yeah. all right anyway moving forward caffeine absorbs better that way and responding to this um doug wilson points out quite quite um saliently um that that when he says wilson has a family that loves him and loves christ it kind of points to the reality that we should probably definitely want to model this. It's basically Doug Wilson's response to this particular point. It kind of undoes any argument moving forward because this is exactly what we should desire to model this particular description, this rather robust and and relatively long description of a man who's been ministering faithfully in the same community his entire life, who has raised generation after generation of, of human being to love and serve God. And whose children are doing uh, absolutely wonderful as they thrive in making homes uh, and, and, and their own families and in doing Businesses the work of ministry. And, and, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have a nationally nationally syndicated author in my sphere. Like, I don't have... Like, <laughs> but, but Justin, you forget that he says wussy. <laughs> well, he does say that and you have to admit it and you have to... <laughs> You have to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. You have to come to terms. I don't terms. know how to take that seriously. You have to um, come to terms. No. 
<laughs> with the fact that Doug Wilson uses wussy on occasion. <laughs> it's basically a tone police situation that Kevin DeYoung is going to then point <laughs> out here. And that's huge, what this idea... He brought out the whole is. tone brigade. <laughs> it, you know, it's worth noting that that has been a a thing with the with the Doug Wilson responses that um, it's very difficult to nail down a guy like him on doctrine. Now I know that there's some there's some concern over federal vision. Um, when I've heard him describe federal vision, I'm like, oh, I see what you mean. Okay, well, I'm not a I'm not a pedo Baptist, but okay, no, uh, yeah, sounds like pedo Baptist nonsense to me. But I I don't think you're a heretic. <laughs> credo, right? credo, um, credo. And, um, and, and so it's been an interesting thing. Then we we see fruit in his ministry. We see faithfulness. We see very cogent responses to uh, to leftist attacks and to evangelifish stings. And um, I've noticed that then the attack, and I don't even want to say attack, like Kevin DeYoung is being a, a kind brother, right? But the, the and, and similar with Owen Strand's comments, that they're, they're not brutal. I actually appreciated that they're, they're not unkind. But they're also not clear. Uh, they're, they're, they're pointing out something that is a, again, even issues like mood. And um, I look at some of the comments and I'm like, well, first of all, that one's not exactly accurate, but okay, whatever. And, and Wilson's all handled those. My issue is that we keep coming to this issue of not liking the way he says things. And I, I, I'm having trouble with that when we're up against the things we're up against. And I think that's what I'm coming back to is that it's one thing when I'm talking to my neighbor that is a reasonable person and is not a believer. And I can speak with, uh, with reasonable comments. We can joke about things and, and we, can, we can bring things around and, and maybe disagree. But there is room for the, you know, the overused word of winsomeness there. Uh, but what do I do when you know, the Satanists are putting up a Baphomet statue? They're, I mean, it's public blasphemy, mm. right? What do I do when someone wants to mutilate a child? I mean, we're, we're dealing right now. We're dealing with a brother in our church whose wife has abandoned the faith, abandoned the family, entered into LGBTQ stuff. And, and she's trying to trans their child, mm. right, who is very young. And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm spending a day in court watching all of this wickedness. And I'm like, I don't think being nice. I'm watching being nice mm. lose. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, what, at what point do we speak kindly to wolves? Right. Like it's one thing when I'm dealing with, with someone who is kind and, and, and able, or, or even just reasonable, we're talking about people who are mutilating children. Mm. Right. And, and Doug Wilson is speaking against the wickedness of our culture with firm words, with words that are admittedly rough. And I'm, I'm okay with that because we're, we're in a, fight here right um and this is and this is beyond merely okay cool we're, we're evangelizing praise god he is we are um but man it's a whole different thing when someone's trying to mutilate a child mm. right the we're, we're yeah we want them to come to christ we also want to stop them at pretty much all costs yeah right absolutely. and that's i think that's where i'm like why are we worried about tone when a wolf is attacking right mm. like are you gonna say I hit the wolf too hard? What? Come on, you guys. Yeah. And this is where I'm like, eh, it's it's not that the young and and Strand are, are being way like cruel or anything at all. I think they've been kind in the responses, but I'm like, you guys, 
we need this mood right now. Like we need to get a little bit rowdy. And so that's, that's my big critique. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. Um, yeah. I feel like, I feel like there, I feel like, I mean, and I, I think about this sometimes. I mean, I'm in the education sphere a lot in my thinking and in my interactions. Justin, you, you know this. Um, <laughs> much, much to your chagrin. Nope. <laughs> um, but like, you know, so in, in thinking of education, right? Like, it, oh, no. <laughs> no, but it, it's a similar way of thinking. Like, okay, we've been trying this evangelize the public school thing for you know, several decades now, and it's only getting worse. So when, at what point do we stop doing the thing we know doesn't work and do something that might actually work? Um, and I mean, and this, this, this tone policing is far less serious than, you know, the issue of education and how to train up a child, which has absolutely biblical ramifications. But, but, but saying, oh, I agree with the content of what they're saying, but not, not how they're saying it. Or, or he's yeah. a little spicy. Um, the yeah. Kingdom time can be spent elsewhere. Uh, it, like mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, Dan. I mean, pe- people are not not only not only are they, but in, in in states like I don't know if New Jersey does this yet, but I, I know for certain we will because California absolutely does. Probably. Is that they they will separate a child from their parents if their parents are not affirming of their lifestyle and their child comes out at school. And I mean. Mm-hmm. Like we we are yeah. talking about statists taking your children away from you, Christian, and and like yeah, like that is something I would fight for, like actual physical yeah. violence for. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the thing that that we're we're like we're talking about whether or not the words are too bad when we really need to be thinking about whether or not something other than words needs to be used. Yeah. Right? That's <laughs> right. how far yes. over we are. Exactly. Well, and and. Uh, I think we should talk about this in, in a in a couple of test cases. You're talking about here it's been like how many years have we been trying to play the nice game with school boards and right. look where we're at. Uh, I'll, I'd say the same thing about the pro-life movement, mm. right? I worked for a pro-life pregnancy center and wonderful, lovely people there, right? You're not allowed to say murder though, right? Not allowed to use the M word when I'm talking to somebody. So you know what I have to do when I'm ta- when I was talking to a man because that was my job to talk to a, a a dad who had gotten this woman pregnant, and I remember talking to this one guy who's motorcycle gang. He's just thinks he's a tough guy, and you know he's doing the whole like he's clearly pushing her to get an abortion, but he's saying it's her decision, whatever. And I'm like, sounds like you're abandoning a child. It's not very manly, is it? So you're planning to kill your child. You're gonna tell me you're a real man that you're tough, mm-hmm. and like I talked to him like that. I'm like. You, you are the one who is being a weakling right now. You know what? We had a save, right? Like we had a save on that one. <laughs> yes. Right? And you know what? Might be my only freaking save. Mm. Working there two freaking years. Wow. And the one save when I was like, quit being a freaking pansy and protect this baby if you're mm. a real man, right? And and so then, so think about this. We're lo- like Ohio just lost issue one, right. right? And one of the things we know happened, if you followed anything, is that the um, Ohio right to life, when they heard about the issue one thing that was going to codify abortion in the Ohio Constitution, they actually said, oh, no, we don't want to anger them. And so they didn't do jack, mm. right? There was nobody calling the bugle to say, do this. So it was pastors like me that are like, I'm preaching on this. You preaching on this? And then I started going around saying, if your pastor's not preaching on this, get the heck out of that church because he's worthless, right? Mm. Now, I know that sounds mean, but guess what? We're talking about people wanting to murder children. Mm. Now, here's what's interesting. The softness lost us. Guess what won us the biggest thing in the last 50 years? It was when a mean tweeter guy 
actually got in office. And it was that that won us something in the Supreme Court. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, so we've got we've got proof cases here. Right. Niceness loses. Right. And I'm not saying we should be kind, but playing the softness and saying, well, let's just not anger them. Like, no, people who want to murder babies and mutilate children. You bet I want to make them mad. Yeah, I want to be really clear. And I'm going to use the firm language that I use when I'm yelling at a dog that's coming after my kids. This is where, like, we have to be here. In fact, we probably need to amp it up a lot more. Mm. And instead, we're saying, well, Wilson, I really like what you're saying, but could you dial it from, like, a nine to a two or from a nine to a Like, just, (laughs) what? How are you going to control it? This is ridiculous. Like, the guy's getting something done. Let's be on the same team. Anyway, I'm ranting now. This is why we had Dan on. Yeah, no, I'm glad because I I was afraid because you were really hyped up earlier, Justin, and I didn't know I didn't know how it would translate onto onto the microphones here. And those of you that are listening, you you've interacted with us usually quite a bit, and you know where we're at, and and you know that we are boots on the ground, uh, everyday ministering. Uh, that we're full-time pastors, we're full-time, we're full-time husbands, we're full-time fathers, and we're full-time employees, and that's what we do. We don't take. There's no, there is no time off, and so you know that about us, and and you also know that we believe we have work to do, and and Christ is not just sovereign over our church bodies, <clears throat> yes and amen, but He's sovereign over the entire world. He's sovereign over every public forum. And this is where my concern is, and you know, I'm fine. I'm I'm more than than happy to receive uh, a correction or or reproof from you guys. But my concern in this, and in, in reading, and we haven't really read much of Kevin DeYoung's article yet. <laughs> but but I read it. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. if we continue to dialogue about it on that, on the, I meant on the. Oh, podcast. I see what you mean. <laughs> you I'm, like, I mean. I'm like, we're not going in this cold, anybody. We have read. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah. I meant we haven't read it to you, listener. <laughs> Um, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm just making but sure. But if you would, like, if you'd like to read it, the link will be in the show notes. Um, I'll try. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll put it in there. Um, my concern is when I read Kevin Young's article, I really I read Owen Strand's response. My concern is that the idea of them policing the tone of Doug Wilson, um, and them connecting it. Uh, let me see if I can get a quote here. Um, well, now hold on. Can I just clarify something? Because yeah, Owen ahead. wasn't critiquing his tone. No, no, no. He You're was critiquing right. one Correct. statement that he has repeated several times over the years, which is just probably a little bit more nitpicking than Kevin. <laughs> Let's be honest. But continue. I just want they're, they're not the I don't same. Wanna, critique. I don't want to join. They're not the same. You're right. You're, but they're you're equally correct. as silly. They're the same critique in the in that they I have say the, the same w word. <laughs> They're the same critique in that they have the same outcome and they have the same view in in mind. And what I mean is, I'll read this when I read this particular piece from Kevin DeYoung. It's it's got the same kind of ideas in it that that Owen has in mind when he's writing his. So from from the article from Kevin DeYoung, my bigger concern is with the long term spiritual effects of admiring and imitating the Moscow mood. That's not what Owen's saying yet, right? For the mood that attracts people to Moscow is too often, and here's where we get into similar ideas, incompatible with Christian virtue and inconsiderate of other Christians and ultimately inconsiderate with the stand stated aims of Wilson's Christendom project. What you win them with is what you win them to, end quote. And in that, we have some of the same concept and construct that Owen's trying to point out, that there is a, there is a, a generalized need to come into some sort of 
conformity with certain people's understandings of Christian virtue. And my fear is that Christian virtue is much like you were communicating, Dan, it's connected to niceness, which is void of truth, as opposed to being, as opposed to be kind, which is connected to the truth of Christ and Christ's righteousness. In fact, it is impossible to be kind and lie to someone. It's not possible to be kind as Christ calls you to is to be kind with his truth fully in view. And sometimes the greatest kindness you can do to somebody is to smack them in the face and say, stop walking towards death. Sometimes that is the greatest kindness you can have. And yeah. that's where I struggle with Kevin DeYoung's and, and, and Owen Strand's perspective. My concern is that when we walk that road, and we've, we've already done that. We've already been here. We are sitting in the midst of this broken down culture that somehow thought the Constitution would have in any way supported genital mutilation of children because their feelings were off. Like, that's where we sit. And we did that because our churches are so soft. They have become complacent with truth. We're getting self-help teaching. And we're policing each other's tones. Like, that's the issue. Well, no wonder 70%, yeah. no wonder 70 of our teens are leaving the faith when they leave the household. Who wants to be a part of this? I don't. Right. I don't, like, I'd rather, I don't want to be flaccid in my Christian faith. I want to be strong. I want to be, I want to be, I want to, yeah, I'm going to stop that analogy. Go ahead, Dan, you were saying? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm trying not to say the opposite what, of flaccid. One, I'm sorry. One of the things, <laughs> think about one of the things that we're seeing happen is that the, there is something natural that God has put in men to be strong and not to be foolish. Like we shouldn't be, we shouldn't sin in our masculinity, but we are to be tough. And so if we elevate softness, and I'm not saying these guys are trying to do that, but um, it becomes an effect, right? But then what happens when, uh, say, an Andrew Tate comes along and he's not soft, right? And he's saying things that resonate, but it's wicked, right? And so we're seeing this attraction. And then and I, would, I would maybe push a little bit on, on this other thing and say, I'm always I'm always cautious about this when 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 we pick on somebody for what they're not saying. I don't think that's fair, but I do think there's an issue of priority in those who we would say are you know we're, we're, we can already write off most of what we would call the evangelical elite. But guys like Owen Strand and Kevin DeYoung, they're on our team, right? We love these brothers, right? We we respect them doctrinally. We feel like they're on our team. We're saying like, guys, we want you to. We want you to see what's happening here, and we would like for you to join us. And I would say, I don't know Kevin DeYoung. I'm nobody. Right? But I would say to Kevin, I'm like, you know, you are still closely associated with Gospel Coalition. Gospel Coalition that uh, during the lockdowns advocated for not having church, right? A Gospel Coalition who articles released on how somehow Taylor Swift lyrics help bring you closer to God, like, nonsense two things directly in violation of scripture might i point out and so i'm like why like if we're are we really going to prioritize doug wilson's tone over the fact that your homies over there are writing nonsense that in some cases is an attack on the faithful church mm. right and, I, and i'm like i'm not going to get mad at a guy for what he's not writing i'm just going to say what are we prioritizing right like and I'm, I'm not saying he has to write about those things i'm saying like why are we bothering messing with Doug Wilson, right? I got plenty of things I disagree with Doug Wilson on, but he's faithful in the fight, man. 
right? And and I'm like, and hey, you guys are faithful too. Let's quit wasting time. Mm-hmm. Um, let's deal with the things we need to deal with. And um, yeah, because it's man, you guys. I don't think people realize how serious things are right now. Yeah, like, we're, maybe and we're, maybe that's it, Dan. Maybe that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. You could be right. I mean, right now, I mean, I'm in Ohio. I have like right now we've lost parental rights because of issue one, right? If somebody wants to push trans ideology on my children, there's nothing I can do within the realm of the law. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hmm. Right. Within the realm of the law, there's nothing I can do. Now I'm discipling my kids. I have a faithful wife. We are protect. We're homeschooling. We're protected to some large degree, but if somebody wants to push that, I'm going to have to get the heck out of Dodge, right? And I'm like, we're, we're past nice words. Where are you going right? to go? Where are you going to go, bud? It. Where are you going to go? Right? Well, there's the no way I can nice my way out of this. Bold. right? And by the way, have you guys ever dealt with, with someone who was an actual abuser administrator? I'm sure you have. You ever notice, like, you know, when you're dealing with a regular normal person and they start getting angry and you do the thing where you lower your tone, mm-hmm. Right. And you do the thing where you apologize a little bit and say, I'm so sorry. I, I, I should have used a different word here. Please forgive me. And a normal person says, oh, man, I'm sorry. And they come down mm-hmm. with you. They de-escalate. Do you know what an abuser does? They love it when you apologize a little bit because they get to use that against you, too. And they love it when you calm down a little bit because now they get to put they see you now as the person they can push around a little bit more. And brothers, we are pastors we are shepherds. We are supposed to be tough when the time is there to be tough. And if I don't shout back to the abuser, if I don't shout back to the heathen that wants to mutilate children, if I'm not tough then, then I'm worthless mm-hmm. to those things. Yeah. And so, my brothers, it's the old John Calvin, like you got to have one voice for talking to the sheep, one for yelling at the wolves, and we are surrounded by wolves. Yeah. And so that's that's where I'm at on all this. I'm like, give me more Moscow tone. In fact, get a little bit tougher, Debbie. <laughs> that's my that's where I'm at on it. Yeah, yeah David. David didn't. David didn't take the time to tame the lion, right? Hmm. He he didn't he didn't take the time to tame the bear. He he done punch kill, it in the face. He done killed the lion and the bear, <laughs> and bragged to his friends about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and and he didn't yeah. he didn't like. Sing Kumbaya with Goliath, right? No, like, no. Dude thwacked him with a stone, bro. Like, <laughs> down goes Fraser. Like, it was over. <laughs> and and that is, that's why, I, I. that's why the title of the episode is The Shatim Mood, because Moscow's mood is not, is not far enough. It's, it's not where we need to be. Uh, quote from Kevin DeYoung, I fear that much of the appeal of Moscow is an appeal to what is worldly in us. And this is where I have a big, I don't understand, I don't know what happened to Reformed theologians, but something happened where they forgot what God's word said. Like, they just forgot it. Like, they lost the thread. It's the myopia of the intelligence. And maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't, uh, you know, bring in, bring Kevin Young into things I don't know of. I don't, I don't exactly know if he ascribes to reform theology, but I, I'm pretty sure he does. And yeah, he's, he's reformed. Right. And, and, and so yeah. when I read, I fear that the appeal of Moscow is an appeal to what is worldly in us. My concern is that he thinks a warrior's spirit belongs to the world. He thinks mm. that, that, the victorious tone over foolishness belongs to the world. 
the aggressive nature against evil belongs to the world. Those are not the world's things. Those are God's things. Those are the men of God's things. Those are God's church's things. It is not that that the tone appeals to what is worldly in us. It is that the tone awakens the reality that we have gone cold in the battle against evil in our own lives, in our families' lives, in our churches' lives, in our counties' lives, in our states' lives, in our nation's lives. It awakens in us the creative essence of, of God who, who calls us to glorify him in all things. And we have spent far too much time being content to play in the mud, glorifying ourselves and others as opposed to God. And, and that is where I'm, I, I have, a re- and that, maybe that's the big struggle between both what Owen has written and kind of what Kevin has written is there's a, a lack of connection to what this truly is. And it's not about, I don't get to pick the fights on what I want. I get to, I, I, I pick the fights that God gives. And there's a big difference there. It's not like, well, you know, I, I wrote against the emergent church, you know, and I was a big proponent. I helped to bring, bring about the reformed people back. I wrote against, you know, Mark cultural Marxism and, and cultural Marxism and racial essentialism. So I brought the church back out. Like, yeah, great. Thanks, guys. Those are two small things that are going on around you. Now, open up your eyes because we actually have to take the same level of, of focused energy and put it onto everything. And, and, and that's, that's one of my big concerns here. I mean, th- there, are, there are other faithful men besides Doug that, that, are, that are strong, courageous, and, and at the f- what I believe at the forefront of cultural issues while holding doctrine highly. I, I think and of Dan Sams. I th- yeah, Dan, Dan Sams. Uh, you know, uh, Nobody's heard of me, though, brothers. Re- Reformation <laughs> Church. For, I, I got my 40 people in my church that are with well, maybe you me. Hey, man, that's, that's all we need sometimes. Maybe you man. just need to stop calling it underground seminary and start calling it like everyone's seminary. Like something like, I don't know. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Good. You know, but I, I think of Tom Askell and the Founders Brothers. I mean, they are they are tom is tom see at tom and doug they these are both older men they they could be my father there goes my microphone, microphone. They, they could be my fathers right they, they are they they have done ministry for longer than some of their critics have been alive longer than many of their critics have been alive mm-hmm. and and the attitude is that you know somehow they're the ones that are doing it wrong um like there's just there's just this there's this lack of self-awareness or there's this sense of self-exaltation to think that we can just keep critiquing, 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 critiquing and not actually dialogue and and just kind of like like the, the amount of nitpicking in these articles is beyond me. I mean, Dan, the, the content of what you were saying earlier is just is just so real. The the statists can take away our children and we have no recourse and we are arguing about tone and and a quote about careful men um something that he says uh, some of the time which i would doubt it makes up any vast amount of uh percentage of doug wilson's writings yeah i mean if we all shouted the yeah. same direction i feel like we'd be more effective yeah yeah i think there's something to be said here um well, and especially like okay so the, the like uh, the the famous doug wilson quote about desperate times call for uh, what is it? Faithful for, men. What um, men? And, faithful men, and not for careful men. Yeah. And then, and and Owen says something that is true. That hey, we're 
you, you don't have to it's not it's a false dichotomy we don't have to worry but it's like okay no one thinks that wilson is claiming that there is no such thing as careful what he's clearly addressing here is we know if anybody's following him he's like hey um we worry too much about whether our tone is just right or whether i said this just right and then we end up not doing anything at all it's kind of like in church discipline i have never had one church discipline situation where i'm like man i checked all the boxes in the right order and did that exactly right um but we do church discipline right we get the job done and our church is healthier because of it and so we start thinking about all of these things and he said well you can always talk about telling it could have done this different and here we are and we're like guys we're we're fighting a bigger battle than this and and we're wasting so much time mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah. so how many friends do you want to lose Here's the thing. I don't have any friends. Oh, that's great. Good. <laughs> hey, I lost all my friends when I first became a Calvinist. <laughs> Here's the thing. What do you? Dirty little secret. Doug Wilson is a hundred percent correct, and the the writing of Owen's article, Owen. You you're welcome to come on the podcast anytime, and I know you won't, but you're welcome to. Owen writing the article proves it proves Doug's point. Because Owen's writing an article about a man who's written more books than Owen's written articles, who's fought the culture war for longer than Owen has been saved, who has raised up a family to the third generation now of faithful believers. And writing the article proves that Doug Wilson is right and the article is unnecessary. And you can say whatever you want about the, t- the article. Well, con- you know, contextually and content-wise, everything Owen said is perfectly right. Here's what's the, here's what, and this is, I'm, I'm not going to ascribe motive. I don't know Owen's motive. But when you write an article about someone you know is what we would consider, I think, in evangelical circles, a firebrand. Certainly Doug Wilson is. You're writing an article about something that we can all agree is like saying, it, it's like saying water is wet. You just want the click through. And at a certain point, I find that disgusting. And and I'm not I'm not saying that's why he wrote it, but I'm saying that's that's exactly what happens. And when you when you when you write the article, you prove his point. Because we need faithful men actually doing all the work and not writing about Doug Wilson. Being careful as you write about Doug Wilson is not helping you to be faithful and fight the fight in the culture. And and yeah. the point of this is so- that, I, I, I just, I'm sorry, Dan. One thing. Oh, keep going. You're I good. Wanna, no, You're I just want to make sure everybody knows. I'm not saying this. None of this has anything to do with Kevin DeYoung or Owen Strand. I don't want you to listen to us talking about them and think, oh, well, they, but they did this to respond to them. No, I don't want to respond to them. What I do, what we're, what we're making this podcast for is so that you would hear this and know you must fight and fight hard and have an attitude and a tone of distinct, victorious, courageous resolve against the forces of evil in high places everywhere you go. From your workplace, inside your own heart, inside the public square, everywhere you go. Because this type of tone police is exactly what we don't need if we ever want to see and save children from the evils of our society. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you, brother. Um, you know, the thing I'm thinking, we, we, bringing this to the word of God, um, are you thinking of the, the shittim mood? The Phineas didn't, right? Shittim. You say potato, I say potato. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, Phineas, when he sees the the young man come out, come in with his 
a Moabite woman um, at a time when the children of Israel were under a plague. They had blood guilt upon the land. And he understood what was happening. You know, he, he didn't call for a trial. The guilt was there. It was public for everyone. And he pulls out a spear and he spears them to death. And it was an act of faith that God used to remove the curse on the land. That was, I don't know that we can say that that was careful, right? I'm not saying that was reckless either, but it was a bold moment of clarity that I'm, I'm thinking what would happen if a similar moment occurred here? I mean, and maybe the desecration of Baphomet uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in Iowa is a very Phineas-like moment. And I want, it'll be interesting to see what, what among or who among the evangelical elite will say, well, you know, he didn't follow the Iowa law and it was legal to be there. Blasphemy was occurring in the public square, and he said, to hell with it, right? So I wonder then sometimes whether or not we need a lot more Phineas moments, or I think about um, the, the things that Paul said in Galatians. He's like, I wish these people who are bothering you would emasculate themselves. Can you imagine? Like, that's, by the way, the kind of things that you find in Doug Wilson's book, Ride, Sally, Ride, right? Um, Tremendous or, work or, of fiction. Or, you should all read it. Or Ezekiel's words, and what is it, Ezekiel twenty three twenty, where he references the issues uh, of donkeys. The, <laughs> yeah, where he crudely referencing how, mm. in in a parallel to how these people are are whoring themselves mm. from God, and 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 in the very word of God, the crassest of language is used to refer to the crassest of sins, right? And I, I, I watch as people will cut content out of Doug Wilson's fictional work there to say, like, look, I can't believe this guy would use language like this. And I'm like, God himself uses language like that. Are, is that a problem? Um, and which brings us to the bigger issue, brothers. Do we believe in the law and the word of God? Hmm. Um, I'm thinking about, was it Uganda that, that made a law yes. against homosexual rape? And how many evangelicals said this is an abomination? I'm like, is God's very law? I mean, this is from the law of God. Is God's law an abomination? Are you, are you calling God's law abomination? Mm. Right? Because that's tantamount to blasphemy, right? And so when I hear these guys that are so Deserves worried about sound, sounding nice, and I'm like, do you read the word of God? Do you care about the things... Do you hate what God hates, right? Are, are you concerned with children's lives and the unborn? Because, and I think that, this is the thing, I'm like, I think these guys care. But I'm like, get rowdy with us, brothers, right? Because some of us are going to, like, literally going to the courts and fighting. Some of us are being maligned, right? You guys, the, the three of us are not famous in any, but mm -mm. I, I'm getting hated, right? I have lost friends. Right. I mean, I've stood before the magistrates and been lied about. Right. And so I want to be like, guys, some of us are pastoring little tiny churches of 40 people, which, by the way, is like the average church in America right now. And we're fighting the good fight. And I'm like, I, I need guys like you writing and saying, you know what? 
I'm not sure every time. I'm not affirming all the all the all the tone, but let me just tell you, I'm glad he's saying these things and he's fighting and let's get behind these brothers. Because that's the that's the backup we need right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's and we see it in the word of God for crying out loud. Paul and Phineas, for crying out loud, Ehud committed tyrannicide. Mm. Ehud snuck a knife into the chamber of the king to slay that tyrant. And then he Did, said, he Oh no, 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 no. Give him a minute. He's taking a crap. <laughs> That's what he said. Just, he's taking a crap. You just, 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 give, just him give him a bit. Just give him a bit. Just a little Which, bit. Which last time I checked is also um, deception. I think was it, is it deception. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty yep. sure. Just like the Hebrew midwives. Yeah, boy, sisters. we have a, those when ladies. They refused to murder the children, and then when they went to Pharaoh, they lied to his face, and God called it an act of faith. Well, how many Christians today would say, "Well, it's the law of the land"? You know how how many how many Christians would say that? Well, and, and Way I'll be too honest, many. brothers, as a general equity theonomist, I would say that any law that does not match up with God's perfect, unchanging righteousness is an abomination. It is framing injustice by statute, and it's our duty to disobey it. Mm. But mm, that kind of talk sounds too much like Christian nationalism. So I don't know. <laughs> it's allowed to say such things. But we, <laughs> we all know what kind of trouble that'll get us. Could you imagine? Yeah. If, could you imagine if... <laughs> Could you imagine if some pastor today was like talking to maybe someone from the nation of Islam and saying, you know, maybe you should cry aloud for he is a God to Allah. Maybe he's thinking about things or taking a pee or maybe he's gone away on a long journey. Maybe he got tired and needed to take a nap. Shout, Maybe you shout should louder, shout cut louder deeper. and wake him up. Could you imagine the blogs that these people would write? Yeah, like, there's Elijah yeah. on the top of the mountain with with the with the worshippers of Baal cutting themselves, bloods running everywhere, and they can't seem to rouse their God, and he's openly mocking them and their false God in front of everybody. Yeah. Or or think of um, oh uh, when the when Pharaoh and his armies are covered by the Red Sea. Mm. And uh, the children of Israel dance and sing a song of joy, which, by the way, we see revisited in Revelation when God reigns his judgment on the wicked. And we see like verses added to the same song as mm. they sing and say, praise God. Which, by the way, when Roe versus Wade was overturned, and I mean, I was just like, let's stunt, man. Let's get out here and party. And I mean, the people that were like, we let them grieve. I'm like. Grieve? Who's not able to murder people as easily? What? No! I'm like, we're gonna dunk on this right now for the glory of God. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. Oh Oh, my goodness! Yeah. You should make 75 memes right now. (laughs) Oh my word! Yeah. Oh, I shared a lot of memes. Oh, for the glory of God. Meme game was strong. I just. Yeah. And this is where. And we're just, we're, this is a cursory run through scripture. God in, in Isaiah is so clearly uh, explicit about how he saved Israel and how Israel whored itself out. These are, these are descriptions in the word. And we're looking at, like, I'm sorry, like, here's the problem. When Doug Wilson has a Moscow mood, here's the thing. I don't agree with all of the actual content Doug puts out. But I'm always on board with the mood. I'm like, let's go. The mood's right. <laughs> like, like I'm not like, all right, you know, some of the things you wrote, I'm not on board. But, you know, how you said it was fantastic. <laughs> and 
And then yeah. I'm reading these guys. Like, when when Kevin DeYoung takes a spot in the article and says, you know, Doug Wilson's such a great writer. I'd like him to write about things like church history and prayer <laughs> and and the, the love of Christ and the gospel and effectively the gospel message. And, and then it's like, I'm sorry, Doug Wilson literally has a book for all of it. Every, Every single you, In fact, his second and third book is coming out on some of those con- those very topics. You ignorant person. Like, oh you gosh. just don't know what you're saying. He's already done all that work. He's still fighting the culture. And you're over here now having him, causing him to actually pause and have to address you because you're acting like a fool. And that's how we lose friends. <laughs> yeah we all yeah we're all losing the friends it's all right i'm getting used look, to it I, and i and i told um, i told jesse this i said look i don't care the the five to seven hundred people that listen to our podcast regularly and interact with us on instagram and and the social media is like i would take you guys to satan's front door before I would want to have to go to battle with Kevin and, and Owen. And that's just the long and short of it because I don't need the, my brother next to me tucking tail and running because it's gotten too mean on the middle of the battlefield. I don't have time for that. We, this is a place and time where we are upset at, at Israel's retaliation to Hamas in our culture Right. And 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 there was the disgusting desecration of little babies. And then all of a sudden the church is like, oh, wow, that's really horrible. Did you see to hear what Hamas did to those little babies? We are murdering millions upon millions here. And we allow the public celebration of that in our culture. Like like what are we attacking Hamas? What are we upset about Hamas for? Because they accidentally killed other people's babies instead of their own, like us civilized people. Like, what are we doing? Like, and, and, and that's why there's no time to deal with this. Christian, hear me. If your concern is someone's tone and you didn't think they were nice enough, take a couple of minutes and peruse, peruse the scriptures. Just look in there and see if there's not some tones that line up with people's, righteous anger at things yeah i mean that's that's really that's really what it is it's it like it is biblical illiteracy to think that there is not tones in scripture that kevin DeYoung would blush at like like does he just turn it off in his head when he writes these things or has he not read it i feel like that's can't be true like like the critiques just don't land i mean doug's doug's paragraph explaining and linking to every single book that he's written literally from the list that kevin gave it's just, it's gold i mean like the, they they just don't land um and i mean the, the speaking of frustration and i think if, if it's okay can can we segue a little bit more to to owen's article um just for the sake of you know ending at at some point maybe i don't know but so I, I posted um, uh, Owen's article is called a friendly response to Doug Wilson, why we need uh, both courage and carefulness. And it, it is a critique of this comment uh, of this quote from Doug, which he has iterated several times over the years. 
And the, the, the exact quote is this, desperate times call for faithful men and not for the careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. That's the quote, right? Now, I forget who I was talking to, but but I was saying this today, is, is that Doug Wilson's an incredibly hard... Oh, I was talking to you. <laughs> Doug Wilson's Hi, a, I'm a real person. Doug Wilson's an incredibly hard person to take a sentence quote from, right? Because almost everything he says is couched very thickly in the context preceding currently and, and after it. And beyond that, beyond the context of the piece, it usually has a cultural moment that it's addressing as well. So to pull a quote is very difficult from Doug Wilson. Trust me, as someone who runs social media and has tried to quote Doug Wilson and usually ends up with his quote on multiple slides because you cannot get the gist of it just from one side. <laughs> and there's just people like that and it's just, it is what it is. Um, but when we talk about this frustration that's been building, I mean, <clears throat> I mean the the frustration really turned up at, at G for me personally at G three with with the whole Christian nationalism thing. And I'm like, who is he talking about? Like, like we, I mean, obviously we've covered this, so I don't have to rehash it. But it's like I feel like the 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 people that he's addressing are nowhere near this audience. They're not even outside of the audience. They're not even critiquing this audience necessarily, except for when you think that by addressing Christian nationalism, you think that everyone's a kinist, or you think that everyone is is racist, or you think that everyone's this or that or the other thing. Really, these are just small fractions of a very large movement, and they're no one that actually wants to dialogue with you. Like, I'm sorry, Owen, uh, Andrew Torba doesn't want to talk to you, but you know who does? Joel Webin. Joel Webin will want to talk to you. Dusty Devers will want to talk to you. Talk to those guys, maybe. I don't know. But but so I think that was like a that was a high point of frustration for me. And and going into going into this Kevin DeYoung article. I'm sorry, did you say state uh representative Dusty Devers? Yeah. Did you see that, Dan? That Dusty Devers won his no. uh his state representative race in Oh yeah. Heck yeah, yeah. Cool for that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, go Oklahoma, man. That's <laughs> he ran on a platform of abolishing abortion, abolishing statism. He, mean, won, uh, by, he won by like sixty or seventy votes. I have to remember it's Oklahoma and it's a very small territory. So there are it's actually quite a bit. Four people in Oklahoma. <laughs> That's not true. There's a lot of people. In um, but <laughs> but so I mean, the frustration for me was brought. All of that frustration was brought into reading this. Um, this. Uh, piece by Owen Strand and like we've like I think Dan you mentioned earlier this isn't like a hit piece like it's not it's not malicious it's not it's not strongly worded it's not you know vile or or it's 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 very it's extreme it's oozy gracious um you know and it's very kind and he says a, a friendly response to Doug Wilson and um but but then he he creates this dichotomy why we need both courage and carefulness. Now the thing is, and Dan, you mentioned it earlier, and I, I think we all talked about this at some point today, is that everyone that's familiar with Doug Wilson, um, who has either read him or listened to him more than once, knows that he is not arguing for carelessness <laughs> by making that statement. I, I I would I would argue that of all of the writers that I read. Doug Wilson is probably the most careful with his words out of anyone that I've that I've read in recent memory. He chooses his words even wuss and wussy. Sorry, we can bleep those out. Jaeger, you can bleep those out if if you want to. We will not bleep them out. <laughs> um, but but even those words and the harsh words, especially I think, are chosen extremely carefully. 
So, so to say why we need both courage and carefulness, as if to say Doug Wilson doesn't think we need both, is disingenuous. It's, it is a mischaracterization of who Doug Wilson is. And, and to pull this quote and then write, uh, I don't know, scores of paragraphs on it, <clears throat> throwing, you know, tens of scriptures at it, um, you know, plugging, plugging your book link and plugging uh, a, a podcast link in there. I mean, no one's going to read an article t- titled Why We Should Be Careful, right? No, one, no one's going to click through to read that article. But if Doug Wilson's in the headline, I agree with Justin, I'm much more likely to click on it. And we did. We all fell for it, guys. <laughs> we all read the article. Okay, so my frustration continued onto onto Facebook, and I wish that I could pull up my comment on Facebook, but unfortunately, it has been deleted. So um, I did post it to my brother. Uh, fortunately, I saved it for posterity. I commented on Owen Strands. I'm sorry, I'm taking this podcast over for a hot second, gentlemen. Um, I, I good, I'm, I'm setting up hopefully this next portion of our discussion. It's um, okay. I'm just falling asleep. Wake me up when you're done. Okay. Um, my comment in response to Owen Strand on his post was I, I said, I'm afraid that Owen is not terribly capable of understanding people's arguments anymore. Just like with CN, this is a mischaracterization of Wilson's beliefs. If he thinks Wilson means, quote, throw carefulness away by his quotes, he has no clue what Wilson thinks slash means, and therefore any summary or response is far from hitting the mark. This is really sad to see. And unfortunately, I doubt Owen will dialogue, and I jokingly said platform because that's one of the things that we talked about in our Christian nationalist episode. Um, And I doubt Owen will dialogue with Wilson to hear his remarks, just like KDY and just like he did with with CN for the longest time. I'm getting quite tired of men writing articles about other men and not just having the dialogue, whether that's publicly or privately. That's not courage. Speaking hard words to a wall is nothing but grandstanding, and this is frustrating. Now, this prompted a private message from Owen. Um, and I just want to say, I didn't even know you were going to go here, and I feel like you're taking a lot of liberty, but I'm going to let you keep going. Really? You didn't think we were going to talk about this? I didn't think you were just going to roll this on out here, out, out into the public sphere. But I mean, I'm ahead. not going to read my private messages with Owen Strand. Well, you but shouldn't, because that would be wrong. It would be wrong. I agree. <laughs> But this prompted a direct message from Owen Strand, which I am, I, we like Dan, pastor, 40 people in, you know, this godforsaken hey, state. Hey, we have a lot of kids. There's probably at least 60 people we pastor. <laughs> no, I, I think 30 of them are under the age kids. of four, so 12 and under. <laughs> you know, and, and you know what? God bless that, you know? Hey, man. <laughs> I'll take six. I'll take six over eighty-five any day. I like the, I like of, the little ones. They make a lot more noise than the, the adult ones, and I like that a lot better. It lets you know that they're there. You Amen. know. Um, so th- this prompted a, this prompted a a a message from Owen Strand. I have never interacted with Owen Strand privately before, uh, in in my life. I mean, truly, I I don't know why he thought that. I should be spoken to, but he he was concerned that you are I literally no one. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I mean, he was very concerned with my with my tone. He said my tone was an eight or nine, and it should be a four or five. Um, and I'm like, okay, Kevin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, didn't say that. I didn't say that. Well, just but, to help Owen out, if you get to hear this, Owen, when you do that, don't attach numbers to it. It makes you sound very frail. Grab. The- <laughs> Grab the meme of the the boss from um, Office Space just making an incremental move with his hands. I'm just because that's need funny. You to be. I'm gonna need you to. 
And that's good enough. That's all you need. All right. And then that's and then not only is it funny, but it also makes you look like you actually are know what you're talking about. Good, Jesse. He kept but in, in our conversation, he kept referencing, you know, that that I seem partisan, that I'm just coming to the defense of I'm coming to the defense of Wilson and this, that, and the other thing. And I, I just explained to him, I said, look, I'm I'm not being partisan. Like I feel like we roll in really weird circles, um, you know, where we where we appreciate um, Doug Wilson's tone, and we'll listen to the Gettys, and we'll read a book by Owen. Like, like we'll 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 go these different directions, and we have the ability to not be tribal in a certain way, where we can take the good and reject the bad um, from from these different people. We, we recognize literally don't when, have a dog in any fight, right? <laughs> like no so, dogs. <laughs> so you know, and I, and I just was trying to explain to him, like, look, this isn't this isn't partisanship. This is just frustration, dude. Like. Like we we appreciate the things that you have written and the stands that you have taken. We appreciate you standing for the Coateses, who who are our, our friends. I would consider them friends. Like we we appreciate all of these things. I'm not your enemy, dude. I just think that this is weird. Like like I think that this, no, it's frustrating. You said it was frustrating. It's, it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. It's it almost borderline angering, and it doesn't make sense with your own body of work. Like. Like your your brave heart, your um, you know your Maximus, your you know all, all of these things. You're the patriot and master and commander. You're you're all of these things, but you're we're critiquing tone right now. Like we're critiquing. I'm sorry, he's not critiquing tone. He's he's critiquing a, a quote about courageous men and mis and and literally twisting it to mean something that Doug Wilson never ever meant it to mean, and no one thinks he meant that. Except for maybe the Gospel Coalition, like I think that is a mischaracterization. I don't think I do not, and I, in my own personal post, I use the word malign, and I apologize for that because malign means that I think that he had ill will or intention. I don't think that, but he wasn't careful in the article because if you were careful at all, you would know that Doug Wilson doesn't doesn't think like that. If you were careful in the article, you wouldn't have written an article about being careful and then thought no one's going to want to read this. What should I do? make it about Doug Wilson and you would have put the article and shut it down. That's what you would have done. I'm sorry. That's what you would have done. So this, stunning. So brave. This article is, <clears throat> first of all, it's completely wrongheaded. <laughs> and this is where Justin the gets really heated. <laughs> the quote itself, if for you to not understand this quote, you have to be, and I, you know what? Uh, Owen, my brother has said this many times. He says, you're much smarter than us. And I would say you've read a lot more than I've read. But for you to write an article off of this quote saying what you said, I don't think that what Jesse says you're smarter actually means what we think it, it means. I think there's a, a real Inigo Montoya issue here. There's a real, <laughs> there's a real Princess Bride issue. You don't think it means what you think it means. I do not think it means what you think it means. Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Is specifically saying that faithful men sometimes have to act immediately in faith without having to actually consider the consequences of what being faithful will incur in that moment. That's the whole point of it. And it is exactly what this time needs. If you want to go back and count the beans before you decide to make a faithful move against something, fine. But don't waste everyone's time writing about someone who's actually being faithful in the midst of a fight just so that people will pay attention to an article that says water's wet. I, I, I want to ask Dan something because as someone who is theologically astute, 
He's a studied man, a learned man. Just look at him. You know. Again, underground seminary, y'all. Where is in the scriptures? Can you help me find the hall of carefulness? You know, I, I've heard of the hall of faith. You know, and, and I've and I've heard of these great acts. I've heard of, you know, Rahab. Uh, you know, being being faithful and courageous by laying down this line and then lying to the guards. I, I mean, I, I've heard of these stories, but is is there a hall of carefulness that I should be aware of? Uh, am I missing it? I I could be ignorant because I am not as theologically as astute as you. I just want to I want to so, check this. The only thing that comes to mind, of course, not a, of course a hall of carefulness. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is Deuteronomy five thirty two, where it says, "Therefore you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you." To be careful uh, you shall to be not faithful. Side to the right hand or the left. So the carefulness is only to obedience mm. right um and i think that's an interesting thing the carefulness is not to tone the carefulness is did you did you did you adjust that just to the right way so that the heathen god hater will like what you have to say right <laughs> no like there's nothing i mean i, I, mean, I know i'm making a joke that, but this is the reality have you thought about i, I mean uh, have we thought about the fact that people who hate god will always hate what we say mm. you notice that like when yep. you say Hey, hey, brother, you, you are you, you are in sin by sleeping with your girlfriend. You know that they get really their feelings get hurt, and they're like, "How could you be so mean?" I'm like, "I'm I'm trying to spare you from the consequences of your sin. I'm trying to actually help you live a life of obedience to the Lord that actually has joy and blessing with it." Stop walking well, towards you death, what. you idiot. Pleasures far greater than yeah. the pleasures you experience. Yeah. Truly, people the. God haters always hate when you speak, no matter how you speak to them. I I think about how many times you guys listen to Paul Washer, mm. and he always talks like this. Yeah. And so kind. And even when he gets really angry, he's like, and that's why I just and like he gets really like that's his firmness. And I've heard people say, I hate the way Paul Washer screams at people. I'm like <laughs> What? <laughs> that's just the like, that's because the volume of truth is <laughs> like that dude has the softest the voice softest ever. nerdiest voice god god haters hate god's word they hate the truth and you will never win the tone game they have so an aversion to truth doesn't it's mean be unkind yeah. right doesn't mean be unkind but man it doesn't mean be soft i just mean be clear it's, yeah. it's interesting so, that that's the example that you use, Dan, because John the Baptist literally got beheaded for, for having that exact same conversation. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know who really made me understand that point that you that you just said, that, that God haters don't care how you say it. They they hate God. That really the ab- interacting with the abolitionists who, who seek to abolish the abortion and who are against the pro-life movements, they actually really helped me under, understand this. Because I'm, I'm listening to them, you know, do street preaching and do interacting on the streets with, with people who, who are, you know, pro-choice or abortion uh, advocates. And it's like, it's like, like, I would be like, oh, I, I would say that different. I've heard people say it different. And th- the response is the same. Like, it, it, is, it, is this, it is this vitriol for the truth. And it doesn't matter how it's said, but the farther away we get from using biblical language and condemn things with a biblical weight, the further we get from that, the further we get away from the truth of it. People critique Christians for using biblical language when confronting sin. 
Like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like I no, I'm not coming down hard on you. I love you, and this is what the Bible says. Like I, I I'm sorry. I've we've we've had these conversations. I I don't want you to hate me. I love you. I want what's best for you. I want you to have, I want you to have pleasures unspeakable. But that only comes through the joy of the Lord and by living the way that the Lord would call you to live. And what you're doing is wrong and sin, and God will not bless that. And you know what? He won't bless me if I don't if I keep that from you. Like, like the like when we when if Phineas Phineas spearing the adulterer was a mercy to his neighbor. He was And blessing for generations. And blessing for generations for him and his family. I mean, that's what the text says. You know, we think that loving our neighbor is doing what is is shutting up and doing whatever the state tells me to do, but really it's doing whatever God tells me to do no matter what the state says or no matter what your friend will think about you or no matter who on the internet will pontificate about you. Like that faithfulness is always the metric. It's mood isn't the metric. Tone isn't the metric. It's always faithfulness. Is this person being faithful to God and being faithful to his word? That's the metric. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to make a comment related to we can acknowledge passages of scripture like um, giving an answer with gentleness and respect. Like we recognize that there are there are definitely times for the gentleness. Like there's def- definitely times for the kindness. Um, but how many times we see a. a in a moment of like, we are not going to allow you to murder someone. No. Right. How many times we see firmness like Phineas or Ehud or um, wherever you want to go with that in scripture. And, and I, no question. I, I think of how gentle I am when I'm speaking to I have one of my clients who, I mean, he supported issue one. He's about as liberal as it gets. He's pro porn. He's pro everything. And he and I have gentle, kind conversations where I present the gospel and we have reasoned responses. But guess what? He's not at my house trying to harm my children, right? And he's and he's not showing up at the library dressed as a woman trying to expose himself to children, right? And, and so indeed, like I can have a gospel conversation with gentleness and respect. I cannot stop a murderer with nice words. And, and this is where we're at. And it's, it's, and this is where it brings me to, and we just can't avoid the Christian nationalism thing here, brothers, because what it comes down to is we have issues of God's law, right? People want to murder children. And I am saying, we are saying, Jesus says that's an abomination and we want to stop it. We want laws that are not an abomination. And those who want to play soft want to say, let's keep it neutral. Let's be nice. Let's not offend with the law of God. And I'm saying, no, nah, man, right? Because notice these things. It's interesting. If I had the law of God in play, right, in the civil sphere, then, man, yeah, we're going to have to deal with some things. But it actually gives me more freedom to my graciousness, right? If I'm not having to physically protect someone from harm because the state is doing its job, I get to be gentle and respectful. And, the, and I can still be right now. But when it comes to stopping a murderer from murdering someone, I'm, there's a priority. I'm going to still preach the gospel, but I am not going to play soft. And I think this is the thing. This is why we have to kind of start thinking about there is a job that the magistrate has to do. It's doing the freaking opposite right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 
So like Moloch seems to be the God of the age when Jesus is the one who's actually in charge. Do we want his law or do we want Moloch's law? Well, right now we got Moloch's law. Are you going to bow to Moloch and allow him to do this? Or are you going to fight? And right now I'm saying we think we need to push for the law of God here. And yeah, I'm going to preach the gospel, but it's like we're playing the gentleness and respect card when it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's time to play the Phineas card, man. So. <laughs> I'm throwing down reverses, but it's not reversing their bad decisions. I don't know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. That's because yeah. instead of pulling out I, your like, sword, you pulled out the Uno reverse card, you doofus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every so, time you soft find... Soft answer does turn away wrath, but, um, but man... The, but not the, always, the, the, right? The because sometimes. But yeah. like you said, exactly. when, when, when even when a soft answer doesn't turn away the wrath of the person who desires... Uh, the hatred of God. They, they, that assault answer still doesn't turn away their wrath. Now it makes sure. them have to evaluate their reaction, especially if it's in a public sphere, because everyone's going to see them react to a soft word poorly. Mm-hmm. But in a private context, no, that will not turn away their wrath either. They will only get more heated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, brothers. Here's a here's a mind blowing thing that makes me so. This is one of the things that frustrates me about the, what Owen took umbrage with with this quote. Anytime you will find the scripture calling you to be careful when it says, take care, be careful. Let's just see. You guess brought it out. Be on guard, right? Anytime it's saying that kind of phraseology, it will never be telling you to take care how faithful you are. It will always be telling you to take care that you aren't unfaithful. <laughs> it's, it's take care, don't sin. Take care, obey God's laws. Take care, don't ruin your testimony. Take care, don't run to darkness, which would all be undone if you just ran towards faithfulness. So the whole argument is stupid. Just be faithful, and in being faithful, you will handle all of the take cares in Scripture. But since we know that that wasn't the point of what was being said anyway, why did we write the article? I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm still stuck on this. Owen Wilson can write good things, and I would love for him to write good things. Owen Wilson is a great actor. I Owen really like Wilson. him. Did I say that again? He is a great actor. I did that actor. again? <laughs> his broken nose, which adds that character to his face. If only we could talk about Owen, Owen Strand and Doug Wilson in separate conversations. Why are they always in the same conversation? <laughs> Owen Wilson needs to be a fictional character that is a combination of Doug Doug Wilson. We have a friend. And Doug Wilson and Owen Strand, but played by Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. My wife's going to listen to this podcast and she's like, she's going to be like, what? You guys do. We don't know. We don't like, know what we do. We stay up late and we hang out as brothers. And yeah, Dan, can I just Praise say God. our wives don't listen to this podcast. So your wife is oh, no. your your wife is. Oh, is, but phew. here's the thing: if I'm like, honey, I'm on a podcast with the Gruber brothers, she just might listen. She might just because she might be. She might be. Ooh, you're quasi famous. Like, yeah, that's right, baby. Like the Carpe Fide boys. Know who <laughs> Thank I am. heaven she has a high view of us. Because I have their t-shirts. <laughs> It's unwarranted. She knows you guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't even remember what I was saying. What was I saying? You were talking about Owen Wilson. <laughs> I love I met Owen Strand. He did a great. He did a great job. We can't even help you because we don't know if you meant Owen Strand or Doug Wilson. <laughs> I met Owen. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. You met Owen Strand. 
I met Owen. And you were talking about something about what he was writing. Oh, right. The thing is, is that Owen Strand can write really good things. Aim them at the actual gods of the age, please. Like, keep going for that. Please. That's where it needs to go. Set the ball in motion towards the wickedness. Like, why are we writing about this? I just don't get it. When you hit the table, it vibrates our microphones. Oh, yeah, because they're attached to the table. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I <laughs> you know what? I just want to bang no, something. And and this is, this is, this may not be the time or the place to say this, but I've noticed Owen is a white man. But I will say it anyway. <laughs> I've noticed Owen is a white man. And I've noticed that the things that he seems to really want to be careful to attack is people that are attacking his whiteness and his masculinity. And I'm, he's really strong on those two points. I'm just encouraging him to branch out into other topics, maybe broaden them and 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 address any of the other number of things that culture's uh, going after. That's just a thought. You know, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm going to say this... <laughs> Dan, you can just jump out anytime you want. It, you Dan's want to. like this has devolved into something I don't want to be flaming part of hours. <laughs> flaming hours are coming right now. Just <laughs> go ahead, Jess. Dang it! Now, now I'm on the hook for you it. You don't have to say it. So this. Do you want to whisper I, it in my ear? I want to no, know. I don't. <laughs> That'd be weirder. So I want our listeners to understand that that this is p- part of this is why. Why we're bivocational, Dan. I know you also are, are bivocational in the work that you do. So I, I feel like I, I'm in a safe space to say this. But th- I think that this is why it's so important to be not um, not fenced into Christian culture and not have a foot in where people actually are. Because I think... It, can make you myopic to the actual things that are going on outside of your small sphere. And I think that that's a bad place to be. Like if somebody doesn't click through yeah. and you don't get enough views, you don't have enough ad, ad revenue generated for that month kind of a thing, maybe? That, but I mean, broader than that. I mean, that's 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 one thing that unfortunately comes with this problem. But I think that the reason that some people, I'm not necessarily saying that it's Owen because he's been great on other cultural issues. But I think that people who, inve- who um, I think that there is a tendency, I'm trying to be very careful with my words. <laughs> I think that there can be a tendency for people who are solely, um, whose whose livelihood and whose world revolves around strictly being inside of a Christian camp and dealing with only Christian issues almost exclusively loses sight of what's actually going on in the world and actually how to address them. It's kind of like it's kind of like if you're an apologist, right? And if you study philosophy and if you study if you study all of these different apologetic methods and and things like that, but if you don't understand that apologetics is simply a tool of discipleship, right? If you're not properly evangelizing with your apologetic, if you're not properly discipling and encouraging and counseling with your apologetic, you're doing it wrong. So, I think that there is there's a limiting factor in in theologian type camps where where this professorship this intelligentsia this it's it's kind of like a it's it's like a barrier almost and you almost can't see outside of it 
And I think that that's where some of these articles kind of just start to miss the mark. It's like you're you're aiming at something, but it veers off somewhere else, and you're like, what what oh. happened? What happened? I see that, brothers. Um, and I I can speak from someone who's. I mean, I'm just finished my last class for the PhD just recently. Told you, and, smart. Um, no, well, no, just working hard. <laughs> my brain works hard. I'm serious. I think that's what's going on. And I, and I have some of these conversations with my professors where I bring up stuff that's happening, like in the regular ministry world. And I've said things like, hey, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on the new apostolic reformation and how we should respond to that? And I've had professors who are brilliant men doing good work that are like, tell me about what this thing is. I'm not familiar. <laughs> okay. All right. Or how many other times we're like, I'm dealing. And so I think you're right. There's a thing where it's not that they're not doing good work, brothers, but, but admittedly, Many, unless they're also bivocational pastoring, even if pastoring, they're not in kind of that, you know, frontline stuff. It, it's it is difficult to see those things. And I, I mean, I understand. Like, I think of all the books and papers I've had to write, <laughs> random stuff, and I'm like, I'm dealing with these guys that were heretics 40, 50 years ago, and I'm glad I know how to respond to them. But that's not what we're dealing with right now on the street. <laughs> right. Um, you know. Here's how you attack Arius. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the Satanic well, and, Temple I mean, petition to put a statue up in my legislature, I, shall I be okay with that? Or, uh... <laughs> yeah. there, there is something to all this, man, where there's there's a need to get into the – well, this is why, like, I, well, we're going to go into devolving into, like, why, why I end up being presuppositionalist. And I'm like, you guys ever talk to somebody, and I'm like, who's on the street? And, like, you know, presupp works. It really does work. So anyway, so we'll save that one for a different podcast, Dan. I, I think that yeah, des- it probably. deserves its own spot. People, no, people, I'm going to guess that most of the reason that you even listen to this podcast is because the reality of it is, is you're not listening to two people that have a bunch of letters after their names, but two people who actually have to every day go into a place where the world hates them and doesn't know about God. And they get to talk about it in real context in ways that they actually share God. Like I've got six letters after my name. It's just my last name. <laughs> oh, gosh, in heaven. Lord, Lord, please. Lord, come. Lord, come quick. So, <laughs> snatch your soul from your body. God damn, on that the, one. <laughs> I mean, if you've, never, if you've never talked to a complete stranger and mentioned God. What you guys don't know is I had to count how many letters were my last name, like three times, <laughs> to make sure I got it right. Dude, oh, it's I just, and you, just you spell it. When you spell it, it's easy. G-E-R-U-B-E-R. It's real symmetrical. It's very symmetrical. All right. So if you've never like been in a spot where you're talking to somebody who you see cursory every day, but all of a sudden they're telling you about the pancreatic cancer that they have and how they had an an, an issue with a person in the store that they swore was an angel and that helped them. And then you're able to actually use that insanity and bring it in, bring the gospel into it. Like, because that's something I've done just because I work, I deliver boxes. Like, like, and there's a difference. There's a difference in understanding that connection, like where people are actually living, right? Where people actually, they they care less about how Doug Wilson sounds and they care more about the fact that their, their dollar can't buy them bread. Like <clears throat> there's, there's other issues going on around I, us. I care about that as well. <laughs> like there's other issues going on around us where you can actually meet people with the word of God. If you're actually involved with people who actually have like normal concerns and kind of like, and that's why when I read about this, I'm like, no, because 
I can give people Doug Wilson's resources like in their tone right now, and they will they will more understand those resources about different scriptural, spiritual, biblical, cultural issues then they will understand the people writing about his tone. Like, because their hearts and minds are moved in the exact same way that these articles are written, these concepts are written, these thoughts are. But if you're not doing it with the people, you don't know these things. It's, it's, it is sad to me. Owen and Kevin DeYoung are wonderful men who have taught the word of God and desire people to know God better. And if they want that to actually be what they continue to do, they're going to need to realize that around them, the world is burning. It is on fire. It is, it is a a place that previously was, was able to readily understand Christian topics has no idea about it. And is far easier. They would more align themselves with Baal and every understanding of his worship than they would with the Bible. We've lost the footing. We've stopped. We retreated. We, we put ourselves in spires. We got fat and we're just a bunch of fat sheep and we're useless. We're good for nothing. And, and then if you don't understand that, then, then you, you can't be surprised when all of the men with energy are running to Moscow. Just don't be surprised. Right. Mm. And and they're running from all of these different, these different evangelical squishy camps, and they're they are turning there. And thank God they're turning there, as opposed to somewhere else, or as opposed to staying in the Gospel Coalition, who who at least in Canada has written against Aaron Rock, against James Coates, against Jacob Rayom. But Dan's right. The other place they're running is Andrew Tate, and that is a godless, evil, right? But Islamic that's what I mean. Thank woman abusing disgusting human being that's like what i'm trying to say i'm trying to say thank god it's doug wilson let's right. not critique his tone thank but god I mean, it's doug I mean, wilson there's a, whole, <laughs> uh, there's a whole group of young men with energy running towards andrew tate that should be running towards doug wilson and that's because they read a kevin de young article and like why why are you doing that well they're saying well if that's what these guys are about i'm out i'm gonna go follow this dude over here because he's gonna tell me how to pimp women like right. like what in the world what in the world is going on I'm sorry. I know, I, love, we, I, I, I know we have to wrap this up. I, I love you all. I hope you understand. This is the frustration of someone who I, I don't have I don't have a kingdom. My family and my church are small and they are my they are my they are my family. I don't have a kingdom to defend. And so it's so frustrating to me when people who have the ability and the platforms to do so much with them waste their time kicking against the goads, which we are explicitly commanded not to do in, these, in a time where I have to talk through people that I know because I see them regularly about why it's a bad thing to mutilate the genitals of their children. And I don't have time. I don't have, I don't think we as Christians have time for this. And I want you to hear that from a person who like actually you, is. You thank- Christian don't have time for this. <laughs> All right. I'm thankful for Owen. I'm thankful for the things he's done. I own some of his books. I'm thankful for Kevin DeYoung. You I own some of his books. I actually have <laughs> Kevin DeYoung's book about an emergent church on my shelf from 20 years ago. I was supporting Kevin DeYoung before it was cool. And here's the thing. 
I won't think about them again after this, except to tell you, do something that is not this, Christian. Do something that is not this. If your concern is someone wasn't, was, wasn't nice enough, then your concern is missing the mark because your concern must be the true righteousness of God. That's it. Ah, a good word, brother. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to give a hearty agreement. I think that gave some clarity because um, there, there are those I think it would be like, oh, well, so one Christian saying something about another Christian, and now you're saying something about that guy saying something. Like, no, no, no. What we're saying here is that like we're tiny little nobodies who are trying to shepherd a little flock and we're watching a world barely care about what wickedness is going on. And when one faithful brother is like, get wrecked, leftist, right? And somebody's instead of getting behind and saying, like, yeah, let's let's fight this child murder stuff and let's fight this child mutilation stuff and let's fight this feminism stuff that's killing things. They get mad at the wording and the tone. Like I've had people get mad because Doug Wilson uses the term patriarchy. And I'm like, well. It means male headship. That's biblical. So, like, you see, so you have a problem with that, right? Right? And I'm like, well, what's going on? And they're like, well, you know, and he uses the word Christian national. It's a pejorative term that the left came up with. And I'm like, kind of like Christian, right? Christian is a pejorative term. Right? <laughs> That's in the Bible, right? Or, or pejorative, or like a pejorative, like Puritan, right? Like, what? We, we have a history of owning when they're mocking us. Guess what we're doing right now? They're mocking us, calling Christian nationals. I'm like, well, we do believe Jesus is king, and um, this is a nation. He's king of this nation. <laughs> Heck yeah, call me that. That's Whatever. what I am. Pound sin. Get wrecked, liberal. Right? And so I'm, I'm in this thing where I'm like, I don't have a platform. Nobody cares. Right? Nobody cares except the little flock that I shepherd. Right? A few little friends I have. And so I'm like, man, when we have somebody that's actually standing against this, we want you to get on board, dudes with platforms. And I think I think that's a good word here. And then here's the other thing, because then it encourages me. Probably in a in not too long from like the day I went to court with my brother to try to back him up to keep his poor son from getting trans, was like the worst battle I think I've fought in a long time. Mm. Right? Right? Like I came out of there tired and weary and having fit. I don't see demons everywhere, right? Like that's not how I look at things. I gotta tell you, like. I felt like we were uh -huh. in a spiritual battle and there was a uh -huh. real demonic fight going uh -huh. on. I got, a, I got a ticket on the way home. I've got to go appear in court because I was driving too fast. Like it was the worst day, man, right? <laughs> it was a terrible day, right? And you know what? It would be really nice if to have somebody say, hey, you pastors out there that are fighting those battles. You're, you're dealing with this mess on the front line. Hey, we're with you. We're fighting with you. And go, go give them hell, right? Or give them heaven and kick out hell, whatever you want to call it, right? And instead, we well, have they're like, asking for hell. I say we just give them that. <laughs> instead, we're getting like, be more careful and watch that mood. And I'm like, I'm fighting too hard. I'm weary. Like, I've been working like four jobs to do this work. And like, that's not complaining. It's not puffing. I'm just saying, like, this is hard and the enemy hates it. And the last thing we need is somebody saying, could you just do that nicer than you've been doing? I'm like, fight with me brothers mm. like that's what i want and i think i think that word that's that's maybe a good way to to kind of say that's what we're pleading for we love these guys yeah i mean i've gotten Amen. so much good stuff out of out of the young like so much like this is not hating this is saying like guys do you see what's happening i oh, need you like use your yeah. platform Amen. Amen. to do some good here man um anyway yeah i'd like to write a blog response to what your story though um 
No one's. I was so thankful. I was so thankful that Dan Sams spent the time standing next to his brother and supporting him in a biblical, Christ-centered way, and that he was willing to give his time in the courtroom and to spend blood, sweat, tears, and to sacrifice treasure in that is such a Christ-honoring and biblical thing. Mm. But when I found out that he got a ticket on the way home, I realized <laughs> he was indeed a a wretched, wretched evil man. That he was a law breaker. The government. <laughs> so, this is a reminder. <laughs> this is a reminder to us all that even sometimes our best deeds can come from the worst motives. Oh. You know. <laughs> all right, and, then, uh, and that we should repent even of the good that we do. Here's and, and here, here's the truth. This, let me let me bring Christmas into this. I'm gonna bring Christmas into this. We'll wrap this up. We'll, please, we'll, we'll please, call, we'll call everybody to seize the faith. All right. Wonderful meme shared by uh, you know what someone who actually will probably listen to this. Desmond, you know who you are. Wonderful meme shared, um, and this is one of my favorite ones because we look at Christmas and we're like, it, everybody's like, it was a pagan holiday, and I'm like, and I'm like, no, Jesus probably was born on December 25th. Like, I, the older <laughs> I get, the more convinced I'm I am like, of it. I get you. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The best part about every what every Christian should say is, I don't care. I don't care what your pagan whatever was before because I know what the heck it is now. And what the heck it is now is it's it's Jesus's. It belongs to Christ now. And so here's the meme. It's that, you know, craggly looking guy and he's got glasses with his fake kush kush beard and he says Easter was actually originally a pagan holiday. And the up the like the upkept religious guy says Keep complaining, and we'll take Toyotathon and make it a Christian holiday too. <laughs> and the guy's like, "But we," and he says, "You just lost. You just lost Shark Week." And he's like, "That's not Shark Week. Is a week long Christian festival now." <laughs> and I love this meme because Christian, that's the deal. Anything the world has belongs to Christ, and it all belongs to Him. Now laugh and go out and wage war against Satan. He loses. I've seen the end. He doesn't win. A guy with a white robe that's dipped in blood uses his words to destroy evil and death in an instant. That's how it goes down. So all of this, all of this, it's great. I'm fine with Totathon and Shark Week and 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 everything. Every every celebration, it belongs to Jesus now, and and that's how we have to view this. So that's how we move forward. Be a happy warrior. And, and and take your tone and make it meet the moment because sometimes it needs to be real loud and real rowdy because that's what the gospel of love is calling for in that moment. And sometimes it needs to be soft and careful and it comes with a hug. But I got to tell you what, in the public in the public sphere where those people are trying to rip your children out of your homes, take them from their beds, take them from safety and love and care and nurture and the admonition of the Lord, it's not hugs. It's something much different. It's slugs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Amen. Well, Dan, thanks so much, brother. I appreciate you giving. <laughs> giving you guys. You we giving, should make a slugs not hugs T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hate that we have the power to make T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it all depends on how much more debt we want to get into. But yes, we do have the power to make T-shirts. 
Well, you have to go into debt in order to make money. That's what. That's what <laughs> Is that I. How it works? <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man, I should make. I should be making so much money right now. Don't tell Dave Ramsey. <laughs> All right. Don't tell Dan Sands. He's looking at us like, if only these guys had a marketing team. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. Well, we are thankful for Dan. We're thankful for you listening. Uh, and as always, we hope that you, dear Christian, would seize, seize the, the faith. faith.